0: I'd like to um, begin, before reading scripture today, just to take a moment of personal privilege to thank you all for cards and words of caring and support this past week, both as you recall that I've been um, remembering and celebrating the resurrection in light of my mother's recent death, and uh, remembering and praying for Leah Quarles and her family as they had a memorial service yesterday. We do. Always live in light of the resurrection. So we are a community of faith together. Thank you all. Uh, I have had several questions this week about the sermon last Sunday on uh, Reflections on Death, is whether there will be a copy of that available. Uh, much of it was not written, and so we are in the process of transcribing, and there will be a copy of that available for those who might want that in the coming days. We'll let you know. Uh, today we begin a new series of sermons. Now, the order is a little bit mixed up because we had originally, it's a long story, planned to have the annual meeting today, and so we're going to have the final sermon in the Be Perfect series on perfect churching today. But we're doing that as imperfect a church as we are next Sunday, and so the final sermon in the Be Perfect series is next Sunday, and the first sermon in the next series is this Sunday. Got that straight? This Sunday begins a series of sermons that is called Holy Healing that is, uh, in its beginning, inspired by some work that I have been doing at the invitation of the Lilly Endowment with a group of pastors around the country over a three-year period studying and reflecting on the writings of a couple of particular thinkers, one of whom is a German sociologist by the name of Hartmut Rosa. You will have a a test at the end of the service today on the work of Hartmut Rosa. Uh, He writes um, eloquently about uh, Western civilization today, Western culture, as it is driven by the idea of acceleration and how everything that we live and experience is impacted by a constant level of increasing speed. And so we have a series of sermons. I should actually preach the sermon slowly, shouldn't I? <laughs> sermons today on acceleration, setting the theme, and then accumulation and amplification and alienation. Uh, Reverend Kubarian will be joining in this series as we think about the implications of a certain set of cultural dynamics around acceleration and what the gospel has to say as an antidote to these ills. So today, holy healing an antidote to acceleration. First text chosen for this theme is from the book of Isaiah the 40th chapter and then two verses from the book of James. Listen for the Word of God from Isaiah. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. The Lord does not faint or grow weary; The Lord's understanding is unsearchable. The Lord gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. From the book of James. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be receptive to thee. O God, our strength and our Redeemer, we pray. Amen. As I've been thinking about my mother these past several days, my thoughts have to then go to her mother, my grandmother, who was born Goldie Buckingham in 1894. Goldie Buckingham was born in Van Loo, Ohio, which is a small town outside the big city, which was Findlay, Ohio. Now in Van Loo, Ohio, so the family story goes, my grandmother's grandfather, go how many generations back then, owned the general store. Now because he owned the general store in Van Loo, Ohio, he owned the first automobile in Van Loo because he had to go to Finley to get supplies for the store. And he also owned the first telephone in Van Vanloo, Ohio, in that general store, where everyone had to go to make a call if they needed to get to Finley. When the smallpox epidemic came through, so the story goes, his wife, my great I don't know how many greats back, grandmother, uh, yelled at him across the store to hang up the phone for fear smallpox would come across the phone line. This was a time when there were fewer than a dozen paved asphalt roads in America. This was a time before we had automobiles, before planes flew in the air. This was a time when the fastest thing was the train chugging out west. Shy of her 99th birthday, my grandmother still spoke of that time and spoke of what she saw, even in the 1980s. What she saw of our culture and people around her, she would say to me, people look so busy. People are moving so fast. We go so far. Our cars drive so quickly. There's so much happening everywhere. But people don't seem any happier, she would say. But she knew it. Acceleration. That German thinker, Rosa, says that acceleration is the essence of modern life. I think he's right that acceleration is the great gambit of Western culture. Acceleration is the thing upon which our entire economy is based. Acceleration more and more, faster and faster, quicker and quicker, higher and higher, greater and greater. He calls it dynamic stabilization which is a fancy word for saying, if we are not doing more, if we're not going faster, if we're not gaining more, if things aren't growing, they're dying, they're collapsing. It is the wager that we have made and shaped our lives around. It has brought wonderful things to us, no question. But it has also brought an underbelly of false promises and lost hopes, when the very thing that acceleration promises us is the very thing it denies us, which is more meaning, more time, more happiness. And you know, I think it's actually speeding up. You know what I mean, don't you? You You feel it, do you not? Perhaps. Whatever point you are in your life, you may be retired at this point and feeling like you have space and a little rest, and yet you're still thinking about what's next. What do I have to do now? What's on my bucket list? Or you may be working and find yourself working more hours with less sense of the long story and arc of it all for you than ever before. You may be deeply imbued in it or you may just be seeing it around you. But you know acceleration, I think, in your own way. Think about its impact on how we experience time. The promise of acceleration is that we can cheat time, that we can beat the clock, that we can get ahead of events so we can control our lives and control the things that are uncontrollable. Some say this all began when the signal was invented, by which I mean the electronic signal that carried a message, the telegraph. For the first time in the mid 19th century, a message could go faster than the person speaking it or the person carrying it on a horse in a bag. A signal could go faster than us and we have been trying to catch up ever since. But like most technology, it benefits a few for a short period of time until everybody else catches up, and then you got to do more, and you got to do more, and you got to do more. I don't think there's any such thing as a labor-saving device. Here's a quote for you. I'm going to read this quickly, and I'm not going to read it twice. From Douglas Rushkoff, who is a, teaches teacher at NYU. He wrote a book about 10 years ago called Present Shock. We tend to exist, he says, in a distracted present, where forces on the periphery are magnified and those immediately before us are ignored. Our ability to create a plan, much less follow through on it, is undermined by our need to be able to improvise our way through any number of external impacts that stand to derail us at any moment. Instead of finding a stable foothold in the here and now, we end up reacting to the ever-present assault of simultaneous impulses and commands. It is a static hum of everybody trying to capture the slipping moment. I think that that is just a linguistically accelerated way of saying we can't catch up. Telling long and careful stories that unfold through time, or setting goals and visions that require the same kind of long-term care and open future, that all seems a little quaint, unrealistic. Instead, the culture, however you participate in it, seems lost in the immediate in the tweet, in the status update, in the TikTok video or the sound bite. And we don't have any time to figure it all out. Now I I see young people here in the sanctuary and I, I will say that I see this in many young people who are taught in college these days, you should know that they should expect to move from career to career not just job to job, career to career, as much as a dozen times in their working lives. With the most achievement oriented among them proudly wearing the badge of three different careers and their own nonprofit, failing fast and selling it off all before they're 30. We feel disconnected from the past and uncertain about the future. Think for a second even about how that impacts space. The transportation revolution experienced by my grandmother with the acceleration of our moving hasn't actually saved us any time. Some research has suggested that if you look at how much time we spend working to buy our cars or our tickets, how much time we spend taking care of it, how much time we spend going to and coming from, and if you monetize that and give a value to it, in the end, we are not moving any faster at all than we were 150 years ago. We're just going farther. And as we go farther, like a drop of oil on water, we spread but we don't pierce the surface. We spread, but it all thins a bit, and we don't see above. We lose a sense of rootedness, and we lose a sense of transcendence. And space changes. In so many ways, the promise of acceleration acceleration to help us control the uncontrollable has, in fact, made the uncontrollable ever more present to us and made us ever more eager to control. Hence this sermon series. We are less rested, we are less at peace. Some of us, I myself, feel like I'm falling further and further behind. Ah, ah, but, 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 you might expect from the title of this sermon series, Holy Healing that my message today is that we are not doomed to this. Even as much as I may exaggerate it, however you participate in it, there is an antidote. Our faith has within it other ways of responding to the unpredictable and the uncontrollable in life without needing to get ahead of it or to control it. We still have access In our faith in the church in our scriptures in the stories we tell and the songs we sing and the prayers we give we have access to a thick and deep and transcendent story that we're a part of that we aren't just making up we can live faithfully within the uncontrollable by god's grace we can work to mitigate and to adapt and to impact the world Around us and the things that are uncontrollable, but but we don't need to do that out of fear of the uncontrollable. We don't need to eliminate what outpaces us. Like I said about death last week, time, and what we cannot control of time, is not the enemy to be vanquished acceleration and its enormous power over us that is what we want to be free of not time itself. Taking more time off could help, yoga might too, breathing sure do all of them. But in a culture that has little patience for things that take time to grow, Continuing on from those things into living the fullness of faith that God offers us takes some attention. So I want to give you just a a few guideposts on the way of grace and faith. So here's my proposal to you. Take a minute. Just take a minute. This afternoon... Tomorrow, later this week, whenever you remember it and the time feels right, don't write it on your calendar, just do it when you're ready, and pause. Pause. Think about the things that, makes, that make your heart beat fast. Some of those are wonderful things, things of love and excitement and adventure. Some of the things that make our heart beat fast are not of those things, but are of the anxious things, of the accelerating things, of the lists incomplete, of all the demands that seem to impinge. Those things, as you think of them, shed. Shed for that moment. In our house in New Haven, Connecticut, for a time, we had a therapeutic playroom for one of our children. Without going into detail on that, that was a room that had shelves full of toys and things and objects of curiosity, and that was around a set of developmental issues that we were tending to and around a certain theory of working with children called floor time or relational therapy even. And the rule is you go into the room and you watch the child take something off a shelf, and then you take off something just like it. It's usually two of them. And the child starts playing with it, you start playing with it. And you mirror and mirror until they catch your eye and get attention, and then you build relationship upon the attention that's formed. But there was one rule about that room, which is why I'm telling you about it, that adult volunteers or therapists who would go into that room had a rule. And the rule is that before you enter the door of the room, you need to stop and you need to shed. Shed all of the concerns that brought you there. Shed everything that you were going to do afterwards. Shed the anxieties of the moment and be present. If you can't be present, you can't build that relationship. So, too, in that moment that you take, shed. Remember, your, remember who you are. And pay attention, open, and wait. Think about what it's like to be on someone else's time frame as it is when you sit with someone who is ill or a child with needs or with a teacher who is helping you see something that you have never seen before or someone you love who is on their own schedule, not yours. This isn't about doing nothing, though maybe for some of us it should be. It is about ceding control for a little bit and learning how to wait even while you're still doing things and then listen and watch. Hold back when you can. Don't assume you need to know everything. Don't necessarily be the first person to talk. Don't necessarily be the person who never talks. And remember that word from the book of James, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, and give your time to God, and then let go and reach out. We don't have to own everything. We don't have to go everywhere or have everything revealed to us. In Christ's spirit, we can, be, we can both find and be the antidote to the false promises of acceleration all around us. You can be well. You don't need to prove it. Just receive it. And by the spirit of God, you can find strength inside when you can't control what's on the outside. Thankfulness inside, no matter how much regret you carry. You can find the ground that you can walk on with grace to guide you. You can find hope for tomorrow, even if tomorrow doesn't look like you thought tomorrow was supposed to look like when you thought about it yesterday. Spy the transcendent and the holy and God at work and let Christ's spirit in. Now, does doing all of that assume that you are free or that you have privilege or that you have resources to be able to step back from life for a while to find those things? Do those of us here in this room or in the world around us who have demands on us, whether we've chosen them or not, and limits on us such that we can't take the time to do all of that, do we just have to give up on the idea? Maybe. But maybe, maybe you do need to find time. But please don't be fooled by that demand. For what I'm talking about doesn't require an empty room with a pillow or an open calendar or freedom and wealth and health. It just requires heart and a willingness to leave those things that burden you aside for a little time, a fulsome instant or two, with a perspective and a prayer that fills that instant or two just enough to let you pause, shed, open and wait, listen and watch, let go and reach out. This can be a dedicated space this can also be walking on the street or in the soup kitchen or in the boardroom or behind a desk or in the therapy room or driving to the hospital or at a ball game. You fill in the rest. All the places and moments when you can just take a pause, shed, open and wait, listen and watch, let go and reach out and time and space and work and life and priorities and more will make a little more sense. Isaiah knew that. He gives power to the faint, Isaiah said, and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. An antidote to acceleration. Amen.